I never knew my grandmothers. My grandfather, however, was very, very special to me, my dad's father. From the time I was about uh, three years old till I left for college, we lived in the same house together. He died in, in 1976, and I still miss him very much, think about him from time to time, and would love to be able to sit down with him for a while and have a conversation and ask a lot of questions. Some of you probably have people in your life you feel the same way about. So in some ways, he was more of a father to me than my father was. While I, I can't talk to him, I do have several mementos. This is a, this is a, a, a thermometer. Royal Crown Cola. Any of you all grow up drinking RCs and eating moon pies? All right. My grandfather bought some property, a farm, about 1920, and he built a farmhouse. And over the years, uh, it was remodeled a few times, but that's the house I grew up in. And I still remember, in the beginning, it had a wraparound porch, fully all the way around three sides. Most of that was eventually taken in to add more rooms. But this hung on the front of that farmhouse, that, you know, wood wood house painted white always. And, and this hung on the front of it. I, I don't know how old it is. It's, 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 a long, it's old. And uh, so this hangs in my garage. Still works. Says it's exactly 70 degrees in here right now. And uh, so this is in my garage. It works. And every time I walk by and see this, I think about... Paul. That's, that's what I called him. In fact, that name means so much to me that my grandchildren call me Paul. That's the name I chose. I also have of his, this is a, a small briefcase. It's you know barely holding together. have no idea how old this is. But after he died, I got this because there's all kinds of stuff, legal papers and other things in there that were his. And two things that I pulled out in, in 1927, this is uh, uh, from Montgomery Ward. Any of you remember the old Montgomery Ward catalog? He bought my grandmother's engagement ring from Montgomery Ward, and this is the certificate of where he bought that ring uh, for her. I never knew her because she died when my dad was about five years old. This is my grandfather's birth certificate, 1899. And uh, there's other things in there. So I have these mementos of, of Paul. Now this is the memento from my dad. Back in the 70s, so I was, uh, you know, a high school student and college student, we'd fish a lot. And uh, on Norris Lake in Tennessee, we had a, a houseboat. Really, it was a, a big cabin cruiser that we'd just run all over the lake and park where we wanted to and fish. And in the spring especially, or Late winter and early spring, we'd hang a series of these over the side of the, the cruiser or the houseboat to draw the minnows at night so we could catch fish. And I remember, I remember one night we caught over 100 stripers. In fact, it was so busy, we got so tired of catching those things, we quit and went to bed. This, this is from that cruiser from the 1970s. And uh, it stays in my garage where I can see it. And... That's just one of, uh, you know, memories I have from fishing with Dad. I, I remember the other time he, he, he fell in the water and came up still making sure his other hand was on the wallet. Uh, so I've, I've got all these different different memories of Paul and Dad and, and these, these keepsakes. Now, you know, I've been around long enough to realize that most people, when they go to school, don't like history classes. 
Uh, I, I get that. But most of us do enjoy remembering the things from our past that were a great blessing to us. And in fact, one of the worst things we can do in life is forget those past blessings. Forget the people who made us in some way who we are today. There's, there's great value in remembering the past, celebrating it and allowing it to inspire us and, and help us as we look to the future. I learned a lot uh, from my grandfather and my father. I learned positive lessons and there were negative things that I turned into positive things. I learned a lot from both, both of them and uh, uh, today they still, they still shape me. Not just in the fact that I want my grandchildren to call me Paul, but in, you know, in what's, what's important. One of the negatives is, is I was in my 20s before Dad ever said, I love you. Now, he would find ways to show but he, he just couldn't say that. He was that generation. He just didn't know how to say that. So taking a negative and turning it into a positive, it was my determination. My kids and grandkids would hear me say that so much they would get tired of me saying it. And uh, so they're, they're shaping me that way as well as all the, the uh, positive lessons. And I'm grateful for those. And I want to, uh, to remember that. I don't want to forget, Paul. When, we were, when I was home back in the, the late spring, I took Jacqueline and her kids with us. It's the first time they've been, been home to see grandparents and others in several years, having been overseas. And uh, so we visited the cemetery where Paul's buried and where Dad is buried. And it was an opportunity for me to talk with them about my life and share stories. Don't want to ever forget that. And brothers and sisters, I want you to know that God, in His Word, says there are things we don't ever need to forget. There are things we need to remember, experiences we need to remember because they're, they're critical to our being who Jesus is calling us to be and they influence us for the future, shape us today and tomorrow and all of our tomorrows here on this planet. So for, for the next three Sundays, I'm going to talk about that a little bit, but today I want to remind you that Jesus said we're to remember him. In fact, in a few moments, we're going to observe the Lord's Supper. And Jesus said, do this what? In remembrance of me. How often you do it, no set time, but whenever you do it, do it, he said, in remembrance of me. He said, this is something I'm giving you so that you will remember me. In a sense, and I, I, I know this may be a little bit of a stretch, but hear me. In a sense, when we hold the bread and we hold the cup, these, these physical, tangible things that have no magic or power within themselves, but they, they help us remember His body and His blood, His love, His sacrifice. They, they, they do for us on a spiritual level, on a relationship with Jesus level, what these mementos do for me with my father and my grandfather. Deeper, more significant, but the reminders... To help me remember. And, and Jesus said, when you take this supper, it's because I want you to remember. Because if you forget, if you forget, you are the one that suffers spiritually. If you forget, you rob yourself of encouragement. You, you rob yourself of that, that reminder that, that I cherish you and that I love you with such a sacrificial love. So don't forget. Remember. In Luke 22, verse 19, and these are in your notes as well as on the screen, Jesus said, this is, this is my body. This is my body. And when we take the bread in a, in a few moments, it's a picture of his 
body and he says we're, we're to do this in remembrance of him now think think about this body jesus body it was a human body just like like ours that, that held deity we we sometimes refer to him as the god man fully god fully man that's that's who he was born as an infant a body that grew and developed just like each of ours a body that was baptized in real water in the Jordan River to set an example for us. Not, be, not, not that he needed baptism, but to set an example for us that, that when you commit your life to God, you commit your life to Christ, you publicly identify by being physically and bodily baptized in water to, to make that public statement of your faith in Christ. His was a body that knew sadness and happiness. He, uh, he, he knew the happiness of his mother Mary and the man who raised him that I would imagine he called dad in some ways, Joseph, who, who loved him. He, he knew the sorrow of Joseph, that man who raised him, dying. He, he knew other sorrows in his life and in his body. His, his was a body that, that would embrace and hug children. It was, a, it was a body that would touch lepers that nobody would touch, that people would run and hide from, and he would touch them. And love them, the unlovable. His his was a body that allowed a prostitute to to wash his feet with her tears as an act of devotion and love and worship. A body that walked from one village to another village to another village to let the people there know that God loved them and they could be forgiven and changed and have a relationship with Him. It was a body that that suffered so ours would not have to suffer in hell for eternity, a body that was abused by those who put him on trial with spit and slaps on the face, a body that was abused by the Roman soldiers who beat him with a whip and a stick and thorns and then drove nails through his wrists and feet and hung him on a cross, a body that suffered, body that died, died in a higher place so we could live, so we could have life now and then have life forever in heaven, a body that was buried but then raised from the dead so that we know beyond any doubt there's a resurrection in our future as children of faith, children of Christ. We win. A body seated on the throne of heaven, and a body that one day my eyes and your eyes, every eye will literally and physically see him when he comes back. And then if we have Christ in our hearts and in our lives, as Brother Matt does now, it's a body we will see forever and forever and forever. And he said, when you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Don't ever forget. Because where, where would any of us be? Where would you be? if not for the body of Christ and the love exemplified in his sacrifice. Do this in remembrance of me. The blood, the cup, the cup. A picture of Jesus' blood. Blood is life. We donate blood to the Red Cross and others because we know people need it to live. The shedding of blood means dying dying and jesus did not shed all his blood at once his, his blood ran from his body when the thorns were 
pierced in his scalp. The blood ran from his body when the whip tore the flesh from his back. His blood ran from his body when those nails were driven in his wrist, when those nails were driven in his feet. And he died. He died. He died for us. Jesus, Matthew 26, 28 said, For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness. I want you to notice those words I've highlighted in yellow. Covenant. A binding agreement. A serious and solemn agreement. An agreement between Jesus the Son and God the Father. Within God Himself. An, an, an agreement that uh, the penalty for sin, the consequences of our sin would be completely and fully paid in Jesus' sacrifice on that cross. An agreement between the, the Son and the, the Father that on the cross, that, that in His death justice was satisfied, the holiness of God was satisfied. So we would not have to experience his justice and his wrath. An agreement between the, the, the son and the, the father that we could be adopted into their family and become children of God. A covenant, an agreement between Jesus and humanity. Because it's, 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 it's an agreement, it's, it's a promise. A promise that if we believe and, and we commit ourselves and we trust and we live for Him, we give ourselves fully to Him, that He gives us forgiveness. I know there are people in this room and others watching on television and online who carry around so much guilt from things done years ago. And you struggle to let go of it. You hold on to it and it's still weighing you down. And Jesus says, this, this covenant, this agreement means that if you place your faith in me, I wash those sins totally away. You're clean. He removes them from you as far as the east is from the west, turns his back on them and remembers them no more. It's a promise of forgiveness to those who place their faith in him. Promise of heaven. A promise for new life, a promise for everlasting life. And he said, when you, when you take that cup, this blood, do it. <laughs> How? In remembrance of me. Not, not as a ritual. Not as a tradition. But as a, but as a, a heart act of worship as you remember and you say, thank you for loving me that way. But in the Lord's Supper, we not only look back, we look forward. In 1 Corinthians 11, the Bible says as often, however often you do it, whenever you do this, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes, until the second coming. The second coming, the day of victory. The day of our resurrection. The day when everything that has been promised to us in salvation is completed it's all, it's all done. It's all fulfilled. It's all accomplished. That day in the future. And until then, what do we do? We proclaim. And notice he says you. See, our job is to let people know about this Jesus. Our job is not just to celebrate and say thank you. It is to do that. And then our duty, our responsibility, our passion, our privilege is to say to others, 
What he did for me, he wants to do for you. It is to share this love and this good news, not to to hoard it, not to keep it to ourselves, but to let others know, to pray for them, to witness to them, to love them, to serve them, to invite them to worship and to other things at church. I want you to reach into the back of the chair in front of you, the pouch that's there, because you'll find an Oyakos evangelism card. Would you get that out? It looks like this. And I want to encourage you. I want to ask everyone here to do something because all of us have people. Now, some of you got this last week and you brought that with you. That's great. I want you to put names on here of people you care about, maybe people you're worried about, people you pray for, people you love. You see, it's got room for you to list the names of three people who are lost and don't know Christ that you're going to promise you're going to pray for them. And perhaps fast for them, whether you fast for them once a month or once the whole, whatever, once a week. And what what I'm asking you to do is to put this card in your Bible. And between September and all the way through Christmas, every time you open your Bible, I want you to pray for the names on this card. Three people who are lost. Three people who maybe made a decision for Christ, but they're backslidden. They're out of church. They've fallen away. Whatever their spiritual condition, they may be lost. Who knows? But you're concerned about them. And you're going to pray for them. And in just a moment when we observe the Lord's Supper, I'm asking you to bring your card with you to the Lord's Supper table. You're not going to leave it there. You'll bring it back with you. But I'm asking you to bring this card, and we'll explain why in a moment, because you're going to have an opportunity to pray for these names today. Bring your card with you to the Lord's Supper table. Because listen, Jesus died. Now hear me. Jesus died for the people on this card. His body, His blood... It's for the names that God's put on your heart. This is not just about me, not just about you, not just about us, but about those we care about, those we're concerned about, those we have a burden for. Who are the people you want to pray for? And I would encourage you between now and Christmas to fast, whether it's once a month or once a week, for God to do a great work in these people's lives. And then bring your card with you to the table for the Lord's Supper. When I was a junior in high school, I was sitting in my grandfather's and Paul's bedroom one, one evening. I started going to church about a year before that, been baptized, accepted Christ. And we started talking. We, we've been talking off and on. And, and that evening we started talking about God, about church. And, and I can still remember it was, it, was, it was getting, you know, about 8, eight o'clock or so in the evening. Paul was laying on it. He slept in a little twin bed. And he was just lying in his bed. And I'm sitting in a chair there beside him. We're talking. And I remember showing him Bible verses about Jesus dying for us and how to have a relationship with Christ. And my grandfather, who was 75 at the time, prayed to commit his life to Christ. A little over a year later, I helped carry his casket to his resting place. This supper is for everyone. It's for those who are lost. Jesus, this body, this blood, this sacrifice are for the people you care about who are spiritually lost and spiritually struggling 
And Jesus says, I want you to care about them. I want you to pray for them. I want you to witness to them. I want you to love them. I want you to serve them. I want you to love them enough you do something. Don't do nothing. Do something. Would you stand with me? The team's going to come us and lead us in singing a hymn of invitation. Everyone standing. Now listen. After the invitation, we're going to observe the supper. But this is a time to make spiritual decisions for Christ. And you, you may want to come here to this altar and just get on your knees and pray. You may want to start praying now for the people on your card. You may want to begin praying now for your own life. Let me, let me, ask, you, let me ask you something. Have you, have you been inviting people to church? Have you by name been praying for people who are spiritually struggling and hurting and lost? Are you, are you serving the Lord? Are you serving Him in the church? Are you, are you living in a way to, to please Him and honor Him? Have you been baptized as a believer? Have you committed your life to Christ? Have you received Him as your Lord and Savior? Have you asked Him to forgive you and you made a public confession of your faith in Christ? As we sing this hymn, you see Brother Jamie and Brother Steve standing here. We have others ready to talk with you. I'm asking you to come and say something to one of these. Here's the, tell them, here's the decision I'm making. Or just get on your knees and pray. Join this church. Whatever God is talking to you about, as we sing, you come right now.